This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast in association with Acorns Children's Hospice. Cole Petham here, as always. And of course, we're here to talk Aston Villa. Their most recent game being a loss, of course, on Sunday 2-1 to Spurs at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, a game that I guess in one way, if you want to be positive, you're annoyed that you lost to Spurs. So it shows how far we come. On the other hand, um, very lackluster, a bad day in North London and just very, very frustrating overall. But of course, it's not just me here. We have Tom Nightingale and Danny Raza, of course, here as well. Let's go to Tom first. Tom, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. I mean, it's a frustrating one, isn't it? I think you hit upon it. I don't want to be too, you know, I like to aim high as football fans. So I don't want to be too like, oh, you know, we gave it a good go and it's losing at Spurs. You know, there's no shame, but it's true, right? And like it, it, today, it could have gone it could have gone differently, but I just think like there's sloppiness. It's a shame to see the sloppiness creep back in. Like I'd never really felt like our midfield um, exerted the kind of control on the game that we've seen from Villa in the last few weeks. Um so I think the main residual feeling is one of frustration that I think there's a big chance, a big opportunity in front of us today to sort of lay down another marker for how far we've come. Um, and it's just disappointing, particularly the manner of, you know, getting the working hard for the equaliser, getting the equaliser with the moment of quality and then switching off pretty quickly and conceding again. But like you say, like it's it's frustrating, but nothing more than that, I think, from from my perspective. Yeah, massively. See, this is why I like Tom so much, because if you give some people this question, they'll go, oh, it's crap. But he just goes off on one and basically sums the whole podcast up in a minute. So there you go. Danny, how's it going for you, sir? Uh, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Wild, wild few weeks for me. But, you know, no, more about that later. But like, uh, I think good to see Villa on um, on somewhat of an up, I suppose, if you have a look at the last four games or so. Sort of when you think about it, six points from... Manchester United, Everton, Chelsea and Spurs. It's a not a bad return. But we saw what Villa were capable against Man United when they were switched on for the entire game. Even then, I don't even think we were fully at, like out of sort of third or fourth gear, even in that game. Um, the Everton game as well, I think, is actually quite similar to what we saw today. Sort of, kind of, I won't say asleep, but weren't really all there until sort of late on in the match, which seems to be somewhat of a theme for us recently, where it's kind of, right, you've got the five-back formation. Defensively, we're solid. And now with 20 minutes to go, let's bring on the subs and let's see what we can do. Um, it was it was a bit like that today. We weren't really there for the first half. Um, weren't really creating chances. When we got into the final third, it became sloppy. Um, I could tell... You know, I don't, I don't often like saying it, but I could tell that they weren't, you know, they didn't want it as much as Spurs today. You know, a lot of Spurs fans were talking about today is the day where if Spurs lose, it could be Nuno out. You know, he's had a lot of pressure on him. There's absolutely no reason why Spurs should have been able to go out today and have a comfortable win. You know, today, I think today my issue 
I, I think is primarily with Dean Smith. I think tactically we got it we got it incredibly wrong. The fact that we have this five five midfield formation, this this wing back formation, it's another option for us. It shouldn't turn into uh you know one system Smith again and it's becoming one system Smith again because we stuck with it. We stuck with it throughout the match even when it wasn't working. Uh and yeah Spurs were just able to exploit one defensive weakness in us and you know, rinse and repeat that all game. So whilst I understand where Tom's coming from in that, you know, it's it's not a, it's not a time to overreact. Um, I do think that uh, actually it was, it was pretty disastrous today. Yeah, it's it, like, and this is the thing, and Danny's right. It's, and we saw this, well, I guess since as long as Dean Smith's been here, and I'm no means saying like, Dean Smith out, because I've seen a few of those tweets. And I think that anything negative comes up, that's the first thing some people say. But it's one of those things where I can understand you want to ride kind of the momentum when something's working well, but you also kind of have to know when to change it. And personally, I felt like if we would have rocked up at that stadium with a different formation, it probably would have thrown Spurs off way more than just going, okay, you know what? This worked against United. It's going to work against Spurs. Two completely different teams. I can see why we did it against Chelsea. I can see why we did it against United. But against a Spurs side that has no confidence, especially defending, I just feel like you want to bring on your Triores to start. Um, you want maybe Wendia to start as well. You want to go at them from the get-go. And fair enough, we did. But I don't know. This formation today, it, it was just, for me, so many misplaced passes. Then it just became, okay, well, the wing backs just got absolutely overran every time. Maddie Target, in my opinion, um, probably the most whirlwind game of all time from <laughs> from recent memory um just kind of committing too much and then they just had a field day kind of going back and then the one thing that really spoke to me was John McGinn in the middle it was like he had to do everything and we've seen when he tries to do everything it's it doesn't usually end up being what we want in them it's sometimes it's the simple things that really give him the best kind of games not forcing it more so but uh Danny I've seen even flicking your mic on and off so do you have anything to add yeah, I was just saying, like, I, I don't, I don't, I think Cash had a terrible game and he had a torrid game and I, it's not, it's not through lack of trying. Youngmin Son's one of the best left wingers in the world. You know, there's no two ways about it. I'll put him up there with the Sadio Mane's and, you know, I'm, I'm not even going to go into the lads that play in um, the French league one, you know, because bit of a bit of a farmer's league, as they say. So let's not get into your Neymars and stuff. I think Son and Mane are probably up there as your bread and butter, maybe like best um, best left wingers in the world. Um, and I think, you know, we, we we saw it in the first 20, 30 minutes. Son was, was getting into so much space, right? Harry Kane, 150 million pound man, forget about it, right? Youngman Son, we should have had a plan for him. We should have, we should have identified there was a threat there. And this is, this is Watford all over again. This is Watford all over again, right? Saar exploited us in that game when Target just couldn't handle him. Today it was Son. If he'd have had a little bit of help, if we'd have maybe gone, right, 30 minutes in, sorry, Courtney House, but we only need two centre-backs right now. Uh, let's get on a right winger who's going to help a little bit. Let's get on Philogene Bidace, let him track back a little bit. Let's bring on Traore. Then then I, I genuinely think we, we might have done okay today. Um, but yeah, it was just that that was my that was my big, big annoyance. So I, I, I know there's been a lot of fans having a go at Matty Target. Uh, but you know, it's not it wasn't the fullback's fault. It's not Target's fault. You know, Target's not really a left wing back. I don't even know why we're 
while, while we're playing him out there, to be honest, when we've got Ashley Young there. Um, and it's not it's not Cash's fault either. But I think I think the fans just need to be a little bit careful who they who they uh, scapegoat, just because I, I genuinely don't think this was the player's fault today. No, and I don't really want to throw any blame at anybody. Uh, the one player I do want to discuss is Courtney Hawes, and I kind of. I felt going into this game, there's a chance if we're staying with three at the back, he's probably going to. I just, he had such a great game against United. And unfortunately, and Tom, feel free to butt in here when I'm done with my point. But for me, he just feels like one of those players that when he slots in for that one game here and there, it works perfectly. And that's enough time for him to really show his quality. And to, for me today, for consecutive games, it just kind of showed that I don't know what it was. It, it Maybe it's just an off day for him, but it just seemed like every kind of moment was getting to him. He didn't really seem like he could string much together. Fair play that he actually made some kind of uh, shot-stopping efforts or kind of halting the attack here and there, but an off day for him, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I didn't I, I didn't think he was particularly bad. Like, he got he got rinsed by, you know, by Son for their second goal, but, I mean, we've just been talking about how Son's probably, if not the best left-winger in the world, then certainly up there and I mean the, the frustration for me today is not it's this like space in but in behind the wing backs I agree like the wing back I think in a lot of ways it's good because you know like Matty Cash has really come into his own recent games in terms of going forward but it's we talked about at the start like it's not a one system fits all situation this and like you have to you have to know in games like today that Son Son's Spurs danger man these days, not Kane. Like, I think that's become, that's been pretty clear, certainly all season. And I don't like, I think ever since Kane's been distracted by the prospect of leaving Spurs and then, you know, that went up in flames for him and stuff. Like, whereas Son consistently week in, week out, you know that he's the guy they're finding with the out ball. Like, he's the danger man. And so it's easier said than done to like neutralize that threat. But what you don't do is have your fullbacks overcommit, leave that space in behind on the wing, and then pull centre-backs out of position to try and deal with one of the attacking players with the best, you know, he's got the, what, some of the best footwork in the league, I think, when running at speed. And I'm not surprised that you're beating players like Courtney Hawes uh, in, a, in a sort of foot race, uh, you know. Um, for me, the big frustration is, like, the midfield today, you look at Spurs midfield, I thought Ndombele was decent for them. I've never been entirely convinced when I've seen Spurs play, but I thought he had a decent game today. But you look at, like, Ndombele's skip, Hoiberg in midfield like there's nothing to be afraid of in that central midfield from Spurs and one thing that I was getting frustrated about is we said we seem to be looking for the long out ball a lot today like the long hoof it forward maybe we're looking for Ings to like bring it down bring it in chest control another touch for the foot and lay it off and that sort of stuff but like um I think our midfield that midfield three has been one of if not the biggest strength for us in recent weeks. And there's absolutely no reason today. And as far as I see it, where if we kept the ball on the floor a little bit more and trust the midfield that I think has proven itself in recent weeks, I, I think we'd have got a bit more joy trying to play through them on the ground really. And so I know that we've got two strikers who, that, you know, we like to think of their hold up players being key assets for them, but uh, I don't like this whole giving the ball to a fullback or one of the wide centre backs and looking for a lot long diagonals all the time when I feel like there's a midfield there to be played through. Um, I don't know. Frustrating. I agree with, I agree with Danny. I think tactically it's not, not one of Smith's better games. Um, 
but it's tricky, right? Like we've got players, you know, talking about, you know, I'm sure we're going to mention, like we're talking about Bailey out. Do you bring Traore in? Like Buendia's not really found his footing. That Argentina stuff has not bloody helped, does it really, with Buendia? Um, this, you know, sending him off for three weeks, two weeks for no game time or whatsoever. And I think, you know, it's it's sad to say it, but we're in early October and we're still, I think, weeks and weeks away from finding out what our best 11 is when everybody's fit and available, working out how to play. Do you want to stick with Watkins and Ings up top, working together? You know, there's a lot to be worked out still. Do you know, do you know what my issue is, right? I saw absolutely no inkling of or idea or whatever today about where the goals were coming from. I don't know what they were thinking about. I don't know what Dean Smith looked at and went, right, the goals are going to come from here. I understand that Matty Cash can get in behind, right? But with, with him, like, he's a fullback taking a shot. You never know what's going to happen. Matty targets even worse when it comes to when it comes to going forward, right? You can't expect them to be the ones bombing forward all the time. The thing with Spurs was they did have Hoybjerg and Skip sitting deep, sitting very, very deep. And then you've got the, the two centre-backs who obviously know what they're doing as well. So if you're playing with two strikers and three midfielders, where are they going to link? How, 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 do you, how do you link them? And then you've got Buendia, Traore, El Ghazi, Philogene Bidace, I believe, all on the bench. And you're going into halftime having not had a shot on target and they're still sat there. I, I, just, I just have serious issues with that. I, I really, that really, really annoys me. <laughs> well, the one thing, like, we might as well discuss it when we're kind of already touching upon it. We haven't even really mentioned that. Is Danny Ings, like, I love what Watkins does and I love Danny Ings and the defensive work that he actually put in today. Um, I think the one in the first half, I can't remember who was against uh, Spurs right back. uh, Is it Emerson Royale or whatever the hell his name is? I don't know. It's fancy. That's all I know. Uh, But anyways, yeah, but like defensively, he does kind of the underrated, unappreciated stuff that most people won't really see or pay attention to. I feel so bad for the guy though, because I mean, fair enough that, he probably would have scored if Skip didn't do that bicycle kick clearance. It would have been a, probably a rather easy tap in because he literally flicked it to himself and almost scored. I just wonder with him, is this the best situation formation that you can put him in almost? If you guys agree with that or have any thoughts on that, let me know. But I don't know. For me, it just kind of looks like when it benefits one, it's almost isolating the other in some games. And sometimes it works for both. But I, I don't know. Even before this, if you look at the Chelsea game, or were majorly wasteful in that, and either of them easily could have scored. You look at the United game where none of them really got a sniff, but they did so much work off the ball and kind of setting things up and took a lot of attention from the United defenders. But this game, it was just isolation all over the shop. Um, Danny, how do you feel? Do you know what? My th- I, you know, I'll, let, I'll let Tom jump onto this, right? I'm just, I'll just offer another little thing to think about, right? With, with the complete lack of sort of like defense that Matty Cash and Matty Target actually get involved with at this point. Like, you know, if you're Ings or Watkins, surely it's going to make you a lot more confident if you've got Buendia or Traore on the wing. Well, I mean, when Bailey's back, by the way, personally, when Bailey's back and we're playing three at the back, I'd drop target completely and play Bailey on the left wing. The the, the fullbacks aren't aren't defending and they're not exactly creating many chances. And as much as I love Matty Cash and I'm fine with him starting, but they're, they're really not creating that many chances. So, yeah, I think I think that's how you solve that for Ings and Watkins if you really want to play this way. Yeah, I mean it's difficult, isn't it? Because like if you look at I think Watkins, my personal opinion on Watkins, we haven't 
you know, I'm a huge Watkins fan. I think we all are, but like, and we haven't seen much of them, much of them. We're still very early, not at all writing it off as a, as a pairing, but I'm not sold about, uh, I don't think that playing two up top brings Watkins best attributes out from what I've seen so far. I think um, having wingers, I think is key. And it's not necessarily for crossing into the box or anything like that, but it's the support play, right? Like, like we were saying, like, Target and Cash, they both do like to get forward, but neither of them is particularly um, scintillating going forward, shall we say. And then also you, you have that naturally at the back of their mind where they know that they are full. They've been playing full back last year rather than wing back. So that defensive responsibility, I think, weighs on their mind. And then it's like, you say, how much do you commit going forward? Um, I think... If you look at Ings as well, I know Ings played up in Southampton, played with uh, with Adams a bit up front, but like key for Ings' success, I think, uh, last season, particularly Southampton, is you've got players like Redmond coming off the wing for Southampton, providing that, cutting in, providing that support and that direct threat. And we just, I don't feel like we have that at all at the moment. I like, and it's, it's difficult because I do like uh, the midfield three that we've been playing, but then, you know, how are you going to accommodate that? Because I think we're, we're all, agreed i think that when bailey is like deemed fit enough to be playing like we have to see more of bailey on the pitch um but i'm gonna i'm honestly i'm gonna eat my i'm gonna eat my flipping hat if bailey comes back and we start seeing him make 30 minute cameos for the next five games something yeah i just want to put that out there i'm I'm sick of seeing that it's just difficult isn't it like i don't know there's so much to still be worked out but for me i'm not i'm not convinced about having the two up top as a long-term thing you're talking about like you know uh smith sticking to one scenario game to game and if you're going to do that i i don't really think that two up top is the best way to go about it and then it's like what do you do do you drop 30 million pound man danny ings to the bench that's probably what i would do if you're forced with that decision because i'd rather have watkins up top and then you know i think today was a great opportunity to see more of bertrand triore players like that get the ball at your feet run at them like he's gonna like he's gonna put the wind up them like if but try all right with the ball at his feet running running at spurs as fullbacks I, I would have loved to see more of that i think that that is a way today that we really could have got something out of the game um, Nuno would have been rubbing his hands at that uh at the fact that we didn't play an attacking game yeah rubbing his hands because that immediately takes all the pressure off him yeah. now it's up to them to break us down right yeah it's that classic, uh, it's that classic stick or twist dilemma, I think. And like you look ahead, like you know, Wolves next game, and then I think I can't remember exactly who we've got. We've got Arsenal coming up, and we and a couple of others. But like, it's time to start. We've shown that we can be a solid unit. Okay, today was today was not ideal, right? Misplays, passes, sloppiness in the midfield. But generally, over recent weeks, we've shown that we can be a very solid defensive and midfield unit. It's time, I think, to have the confidence in the attacking talent that we have. Like you said, you know, before we, there have been games where we're lining up with three, four wingers on the bench. It's time, I think, to show some confidence and start taking the game to teams because we have the talent to do it. It's just you, at some point you've got to take that risk of giving up a bit of that solidity to to really to really chase games. I think today is a kind of example where it's easy to say with hindsight, but that. We, we could have been pulling our result out today had we been a bit bolder, I think, in, in that regard. Is there a concern about only playing two in the midfield, though? If you're bringing Buendia in, realistically, he's I guess he would be your central attacking midfielder, realistically. Mm. But still, he's really not committing much going back. And I find that when he does a little bit too much, he kind of gets phased out of the game going forward. 
Is that a concern for you, Tom, though? Because, like, we saw, I mean, the, it's so hard to compare because we really don't have that many good examples. The Watford game, I mean, the, the pre, like, preseason everything was just that shit show. So, like, kind of where we are, we can't really base of what we saw at the start of the season. But how do you feel about that? Listen, it's like it. It's just, it's tricky. Like I keep coming back to it. Like if you want, like, honestly, from me at this point, if you want tactical analysis, you might have to go over to Danny for this. Cause I am at a point now we're in early October. I have no clue in all honesty, what I think our best 11 is. I, I just, I don't know the balance that we have. We haven't had a chance to assess the balance at all. There's no such thing as a best 11. It's a, there's a best 11 against given opposition at the Tell time. Tell Martin O'Neill that Jesus. <laughs> oh my yeah i know right we we lost three nil to chelsea right we followed up you know the next game against them you know they're, they're still quite a really strong team we drew one one with them having playing cameron archer up top and playing four two three one that was fine we played well what was the issue if you're if you're if you're dean smith here's here's what here's my problem i have another this is an issue that i have right we when we get overrun or whatever, right? And it's fine. Sometimes we sort it out. We come out, we get the goals because we're a good team. We're, we're a strong side and Dean Smith's a good manager. But we see four blokes on the touchline having a little chat for a good 45 minutes, right? You see you see Dean Smith over there trying to work things out with Austin McPhee, Neil Cutler, you know, William Shakespeare out there as well. England's England's finest poet. No, Craigie. You know, he's he's they they're they they're having they're having their chats and it's like today every single one of us saw Son ripping Matty Cash to shreds. Why are you having a chat? Like has not one of you guys identified that. I just think that if if you've if you've got if you're taking that much if putting that much thought into each game, if you're putting that much thought into into your team selection you should be able to figure out that you can change things around sometimes. And, and, and that's the thing. I think, I think we deployed this system, this particular system, this particular 11, because we saw, right, we've got four strong, four strong teams where we might not have that much of the ball and, 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 and that's fine. But I genuinely think you look at the next game and you think, all right, you've got Wolverhampton Wanderers. They've been playing well. They're going to come at us with energy. Maybe we need to do something that's going to exploit them um, when, when, when they're coming forward. I think if you sign if you sign Emmy Buendia and you have him on the bench some games, that's okay. If you sign Bailey and you have him on the bench some games, that's fine too. That's okay. But there has to be a reason why you bought them. You need to know what their attributes are. We're, we're talking right now and we're thinking, how do you fit Buendia into this side? Well, Dean Smith should know that because he was our record signing, right? If we want to play with him out wide, if we want to play with him in, in, as, as a number 10, 10, it's got to work sometime, hasn't it? You know, so... Um, for me, it's just a it's just a case of taking it on a week by week basis. And and if I'm Dean Smith now, having watched that game, then I think maybe we drop this system because uh, it's been pretty evident for me. Whilst it's worked in some ways, um, there have been weak links. I, I don't like the idea of picking the same team every single week because if you do that, then the teams know what you're going to do and they can analyze you and they can pick out who your weak link is. If we're watching, if we're watching this today, knowing that what you need to do is put an overhead ball over Matty Cash and Matty Target, then, you know, um, large Bruno large is going to watch the same game and, and think we've got to do that as well. So I really do think if you want to get ahead in the premier league, you've got to give all your players minutes. And that means not punishing Bertrand Traore, despite the fact he's, consistently one of the best players on the pitch for us 
or not dropping Marvelous Nakamba, who also does the same thing. So that's that's how I feel. There's no yeah. such thing as a best 11. It changes every week. I mean, it's true. I, mean, I think we've said it before, right? But like this season, this is a real uh, sort of watermark season, I think, for Smith now, because we're finally in a position where, okay, not only are you not relying on that one, you know, X-factor player to go through for your attacks, but like for the first time under Smith, we have a squad where you look at that squad, you look at our bench today and you're like, there are four potential game changers on that bench. Right? And, and we're at a point now where we finally do have a squad, the kind of squad that I think even top eight teams, certainly getting up to that sort of mark where you're like, okay, we're now we're in a position where you're not just drawing from 11, 12, 13 players that every week, you know, are going to be on the pitch. We have, I would argue we have easily 17 players who you might argue warrant at least being in a shout with starting in, in, in most, depending on the situation. But like you mentioned Nakamba, like thoroughly impressed with him every time he plays. And okay, you again, you don't want to slip into picking favourites and playing him every game, but we've got players there who are there to be used, who are itching to get on the pitch and are clearly earning it in training and when they play. And so I think it's a real test of Smith and the coaching staff's metal this season um, in that we actually have those options. And now it come, gets to a point where you're like, it's time to start showing some real tactical nows and again like I'm, I like Smith I like our coaching staff a lot but it's the biggest test I think of their of his managerial reign so far is making that transition from finishing 11th last season relying on relying on Grealish to you know where do you go with actually a squad to choose from that is capable of reaching top eight if it you know if you hit top gear and using a squad is actually one of the weak things with Dean Smith, but you have to be able to use it if you're gonna if you're gonna play if you if you're gonna want to take Villa to the next level. So this is where you know him having these chats with with all this coaching staff and everything. Boys, you need to you need to be working at the same level as like Tommy Tuchel. You need to be able to w- work on the same sort. Of, you need to have the same kind of forward thinking as Jurgen Klopp or um, or, or, or Pep Guardiola. I'm not saying Dean Smith is those guys you know, is those guys, but yeah, you have to be thinking in the same way. You have to have that kind of plan. Um, You need to know how you, you know, I mean, you know, he he has shown, he has made brave decisions, right? Like he started Cameron Archer against Chelsea. Was it, did he start him? He did start him, didn't he? Started Cameron Cameron Archer against Chelsea. He's been given Jacob Ramsey that first team choice in that midfield, which is brilliant. So um, yeah, it's just a case of, there's a lot of players for Villa to keep happy right now. And I just, I wouldn't keep all that attacking threat back. Each time I see us play with the two fullbacks, I think, okay, cool, fine. That's all right. It's worked so far. But I also look at that bench and think, I don't want Traore throwing a strop. I don't want El Ghazi throwing a strop. I need, I need these guys on the pitch because that's where our goals and assists come from. So, yeah, I, we're, we're not going to rack them up unless we start playing these boys. Yeah, and it's kind of almost about being, I wouldn't say Dean Smith isn't ruthless. I mean, he's had his moments, but like we were having our chat in our group chat at halftime and me and Danny kind of said the same thing, like he needs to make a change now. And then I kind of also put up the question, well, we ended the half probably for the last five or so minutes on top. And I, I don't know how many shots we had blocked. It felt like a gazillion at that point. But uh, yeah, he. I, I just had that feeling he was going to keep status quo because well, you know what? It worked for that kind of last five minutes. Maybe that wasn't his mindset. I could be wrong, but that's how it felt to me at least. And I, I kind of feel like it's moments like that where you almost have to go in and, and if you're a cohesive unit and you're a player that 
okay, well, you're done at halftime, whatever. Yeah, you're going to be upset, but you're also going to understand. And I feel like it was just a perfect moment to change things up where Spurs don't see it coming, where you maybe bring on someone like Traore or throw Wendy in there right at halftime to give them more time. Because, again, and I know we say this, and it's kind of an easy one to say. You could almost say it about any football club. But to give Traore like 10 minutes or whatever it is, it's not enough time. We know players like him need time to really get in and feel the game. And I thought Buendia did pretty well when he came on. But again, what, 69-minute mark or whatever it was? It's tricky when the game's already not going for you, too. But anyways, Danny, do you have anything to add? Just what? The bloody substitutions. (laughs) Danny's rant about substitutions (laughs) continues. Go! (laughs) I'm not ranting. That's it. What else can I say? This This is... I, I genuinely believe this is four coaches sat on the bench not being able to decide who to bring on. That's what's happening. I, I it's, it's There's got to be some ping pong going on. Someone needs to be brave enough on that Villa coaching staff to just say, listen, it's not working. We have 20, 25 championship goal contributions right over here. We've got near double figures goals in the Premier League. Um Look at how Garzi Traore, these, these guys both scored and assisted plenty of goals in the Premier League that season. Why are they sat there? Why why are they sat there when we've, when we've managed to take four shots all half? <laughs> I think we're going to make I, Danny I, I cry. Hate, I hate this 20 minutes left and bring someone on thing. I really do. Um, I, I completely agree with you. I don't, I don't know what it is. I mean, can either of you make sense of it? No. I, I think it's... And it's something that you would see like back in the day with, I don't know, probably the best example that I'd always hear is probably Arsenal fans with Wenger saying he made late substitutions. But even then, they'd still make top four every year. So I don't really know what you're complaining about regardless. But uh, yeah, it's it's frustrating. Yeah, go ahead. I have a question for both of you guys, right? I'll mm-hmm. frame it a lot better. I'll frame it better now, right? Dean Smith. Okay, Oli, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer obviously played for Manchester United, came in, did a good job there. Jurgen Klopp managed at a high level with the Bundesliga, Pep Guardiola played at Barcelona. Uh, okay, plenty of experience for a lot of these top managers, right? Dean Smith cut his teeth in the lower leagues, right? They did not have top, top, you know, Premier League standard players to bring off the bench for individual brilliance to turn a game on its head. Do you think there's a case over here of like Dean Smith just having not played at the top level and not completely understanding necessarily what it takes to turn a game on its head. No, think, because DeBoer did look at DeBoer at Palace. He was a hell of a player in his day and he did absolutely terrible. Keep in mind, it was like five games or whatever it was. But no, I don't think it always correlates. But Tom, what do you think? It's not for me. The thing with Smith is I think that he's quite a, uh, he's a pretty, seems like a pr- pretty conservative guy, right? Coach, coaching and man- managerial wise. And I think, I don't necessarily think it's about his, like his playing career or his past experience, like I think it's, it's it's a fair point that you make. He hasn't really had, he certainly hasn't had the kind of squad uh, that he has now at Villa ever before in his managerial career, including in previous years at Villa. So like it is an adjustment to make, but I think he's just, he's very, con- I think he's quite conservative. And you think got bear in mind as well is that like, you know, we first came in, we had that going for that promotion push. And then it was all about staying in the league. And then last season it was about, you know, seeing if we could break clear of that, 16th to 20th you know sort of pocket in the Premier League and trying to get safe now the thing that I would say looking at it long term is that there's going to be growing pains with it for sure but this season is like the perfect opportunity 
for him to start taking some risks. Finally, I think in coaching wise, you know, start trying that, try out different systems, try unleashing some of this attacking talent that's on your bench because you know, I don't want to get too overconfident or anything. You never know. We've had a lifetime of uh, a lifetime of watching Villa and being stung sometimes. But like, we're not. We're a mid-table side. Like, we're a mid-table team. We've got the, you know, we've got the quality to cause some real problems. I think realistically, we're going to be safely mired in mid-table um, throughout the season. So, like, why not? Now is the time to start experimenting. See what you can do, and and start taking some of these risks. I know we all like, he's all about defensive and midfield solidity, I feel, but he has to, you touched upon it earlier, Danny, like he has to sort of like, I think, wake up a little bit to the fact that now he has an awful lot of attacking and creative talent at his disposal. And it's players that a lot of other managers of teams who realistically are a similar level to us, mid, you know, these mid-table teams, would love to have players like Bertrand Traore I think even as starters or certainly coming off the bench, you know, it is his game, you know, he's hot and cold, but it's game changing talent. And it's about picking your moments to try that out. And I know today was a tough one because we were always in the game. And so you don't want to relinquish too much control. Like I, I do get that it is a tough one, but Spurs were there to be attacked today and they were there to be surprised as well, I think. And it's these opportunities that you can understand him not taking that risk, but then, you don't want to be in a position too many times this season where you're looking back and thinking, well, if we'd have taken that risk, the reward, I think, outweighs the risk in some ways. Like uh, losing 2-1 at Spurs is no, nobody's going to get, well, I don't want to say nobody, but nobody should get too upset about that. Uh, but but Be careful. <laughs> be careful. Um, but nobody should get too upset about that because, you know, on paper, you're looking at them and they probably are, the, you know, their favourites to beat us. But no, also, I would say that a lot of fans, I think, would maybe appreciate um, seeing some desire to go out and take the game to teams. And it's just, you, you have to, it's a balance that we need to strike. And I feel like we're leaning conservatively at the moment. And so it's going to be interesting to see, we've got coming up, we've got a run of games that on paper are the kind of games that you want to be taking the game to teams and attacking. Um, and so that's, it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds, I think, really. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know what? Let's go over to the uh, Twitter three word reviews now to get some of your thoughts. They're always interesting and there's a bunch today. So thanks to everyone that got involved. Of course, you can tweet the team at 7500 Holt to get involved every post-match um, with these. Um, of course, there's always a few that like to give like a 10 word review. Um, so unfortunately, those don't get read out. But nonetheless, I read them. Thanks for interacting. And I just want to acknowledge those. But anyways, let's read out a few now. Um, John C says, bit too complex complacent uh bronson saying meh next up uh ben saying meh move on a lot of mehs um so fair enough there uh sydney miller glad it's over uh dave de gurnier sorry if i butchered that dave but i tried uh can't control ball uh techie monkey didn't try enough uh we'll do two more here dave king can't effing pass um and there's one i did want to read but now i can't find it um so we'll finish with um let's see here dave welch our crossing was our crossings woeful i was gonna actually add another word on his behalf but nonetheless i read it out correctly so yay me anyways let's get over to our man of the match awards this might be the most difficult one of the season even though it's only a 2-1 loss to spurs but tom i'm gonna throw you right under the bus who's your man of the match Oh man, see, I honestly don't know. Like Son Son Hyung Min, obviously, is my man of the match. But I mean, <laughs> from a Villa point of view, 
I mean, I don't know. I did. We haven't talked about the conundrum of playing Watkins and Ings. I thought the both of them put in a pretty decent shift today. I didn't think the issue was necessarily with their play. I think the issue was the 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 lack of link between midfield and attack. I'm temp genuinely I'm tempted to give it to Ings for the defensive contributions and the work rate, but that's it's slim pickings, right? Um, nobody's really, you know, some a lot of the time you get a defeat and you know have a couple of players stand out. But I thought uh, as a team we were subpar today, so I, I'm probably going to give it to Ings, but I'm 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 scrabbling around a bit. Fair enough. Danny, how about you? Um, probably Austin McPhee for the number of long throws he had to orchestrate today. Uh, but I think from being from being realistic, Ollie Watkins, just for getting the goal, fair play to him. Got called up for England. Could have easily switched himself off today and gone, you know, gone into the international break. But that's why he's that's why he's been called up, right? He's been called up for his hard work and attitude. Because it hasn't been for his goals, so um, fair play to him for uh, for getting a goal. Uh, well, you, we know with Ollie Watkins that when he start, when he gets into a slump, it can be quite difficult for him. But he never stops working hard and he never stops pressing. Uh, and hopefully now this should be the start of a few of a run of goals for him. So um, I'll give it to him purely. Um, I am very disappointed with how he reacted after he scored, but uh, I guess we all kind of saw it coming. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It, it's almost like it's such a game of margins because you got to think if that was an own goal against Spurs or we're running 2 1, we just kind of erase everything from our mind, no matter how bad it was at certain points and happy days, kind of in a sense. But, uh, anyways, it went the other way, um, as we we're all hoping after Watkins scored. And that's a big goal for him to get the first of the year as well, or season, I should say. Um, I'm going to give mine to Emmy Martinez purely because I felt so bad for him. I don't know how many times he was left out to dry. Had no chance on either goal, in my opinion. Um, made a lot of saves. That one uh, save from Kane trying to basically shoot from half after what I thought was a foul. A very good save on that. Um, the amount of times that Son just absolutely rinsed our defense and cut in from, I think it was, I guess, from the, well, their left, our right, um, and made those kind of near post saves. I don't know if I have that much confidence in other keepers if they do that, but with him, he just makes his body so big and it really benefits him. So, I'll have to go with him and hopefully uh, the Villa um, outfield team can really uh, support him a little bit better next game because that was absolutely piss poor, in my opinion. Um, But let's go over to everyone's favorite game now, and that's the Villa version of Who Am I? So basically, it's another question of who did Cole look up on Google two minutes before the podcast? Um, Jack Grealish. No, um, no. You, now you're docked one point because you just said that. I'm just kidding. Uh, but anyway, so this literally ranges from I try to pick teams from everyone. Everyone was supporting. It's easier now that uh, um, young Seb is it here because I don't have to pick from like 2010 to 2021. Um, so it's not as uh, easy, even though we still got it wrong. But good old Seb. Hope he's listening and hope he enjoys that shout out. Let's go to the first person, of course. Just to explain the rules, we have three different players, so three different rounds. Um, there's one guess per round within each round, I should say. Um, basically, it gets a little bit more obvious as the um, kind of clues come out. And yeah, we'll, we'll kick it off for the first one and see how this one goes. Um, so I was born on May 12th, 1986 in Birmingham, England, making me 35 years old now. Going first. Either of you can guess, and remember, a quick game is a good game. <laughs> the, floor, the, the floor is yours, Danny. Is it Mika Richards? No. Is it, uh, oh, I don't know, 35? Julian Lescott? He's not Birmingham, is he? 
No. Mika Richards isn't 35 now, Danny, is he? I feel like he retired a couple years early. But I just feel like he retired young, so I think a lot of people think he's older. But anyways, um, yeah. yeah, let's go. Wait, on no, next. he's got to be 35, though, isn't he? Come on. I don't know. One of you guys can look him up. I can't right now because I'm doing this. But anyways, um, let's go to the next one. Um, I began and ended my youth career. So the entire youth career um, was at Villa until 2005, uh, where I moved to the senior squad for the 05-06 season, making zero appearances, but then going on loan to Stockport County where I made nine appearances and scored one goal. Is it going to be somebody like, I'm wondering if it's, uh, it's going to be somebody like Stefan Moore? Danny, what about you? It's still like the obvious one. It, it shouldn't, it can't be the obvious one. Surely huh. not. Go ahead. If, you're, if we're going to go 50, if we're going to go on 50-50s here, I'm going to go with, no, yeah, I'll go with Luke Moore. No, you're both wrong. So there you go. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. Um, I then moved on to uh, Torquay United on a permanent deal for the 06-07 season uh, where I made 25 appearances, scoring nine goals. I then went on to Chesterfield from 07 to 09 uh, where I made 67 appearances, scoring 29 goals. Um, And then, of course, I moved on to uh, Sheffield United for the 09 to 2011 season, 63 appearances, nine goals as well. Jeez. It's a, decent, it's a decent goal record until Sheffield United. Yeah, so like he doesn't really have much prevalence with Villa, but he at least started it. So he, he this is how difficult it's getting to pick players, okay? But no, I feel, this is good, though. Yeah, I feel like some people might actually get it, um, but uh, you never know. This is good. This is good. And you can always skip, of course. Like I said, a good game is like a quick game, so. <laughs> I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think what, um, what was going on around 2005. I'm trying to think what the squad was. Yeah, it would have been uh, O'Leary, right? It would have been, what's that, two year, a year, two years before O'Neill? Well, it depends. Is it late in the season? Because if it's late in the season, then it's O'Leary. But if it's the season after, then it's O'Neill. Well, why don't here? I'll read out a little bit more because I still don't think you're going to Go get on. it after I say next. Um, and there's a lot of clubs. Um, I then moved on to uh, Derby County. Of course, I had a loan spot at Derby County in 2011. Um, then moving there permanently from 2011 to 2015, uh, making 125 appearances, scoring 29 goals. Um, in between that time, I then also had loan spells at Burton Albion, Cardiff City, um, and oh no, I screwed that up. Sorry. Um, so yeah, it's the Derby County. Sorry, I missed one. Um, for, <laughs> I'm fantastic at this today. Uh, from the 2015 to 2019 season, I then moved to Forest. Uh, making 57 appearances, three goals in between that time. There we go. I uh, had loan spells at Burton Albion, Car- Cardiff City, and Charlton Athletic before then moving to Scunthorpe United uh, for the 2019-2020 season. That's oh, ridiculous. Yeah. And this this guy was a Villa. So this guy was a Villa. Villa Youth. Youth Academy graduate. Yes. Wait, zero appearances for Villa, you say? Yes. That's, that's bullshit, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> you were okay with it when I said it originally. You're like, oh, no, good idea. So don't blame me. Um, no, because you know what I thought you were going to do? I thought I thought you are going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah. So zero appearances of Villa, went out on loan, well, comes back to Villa, plays a few games. Let's do the last little thought- bit because I feel bad for you guys. Um, <laughs> I love this, though. It's good. For the 2020-2021 season, I then went to Sully Hole Moors, making 19 appearances, scoring three goals. I am now at Burton Albion. Um, and here's, I guess, the hint, if this helps at all. Um, I then, well, I guess 
born in Birmingham, but my um, nationality when I play international is Northern Ireland. It's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> that's is interesting. <laughs> wow. Bloody hell. Northern Ireland. For the, for the senior squad, he's been there since 2011, and he's, he's uh, made 35 appearances, scoring four goals. Wow. Well, he's, he scored four goals for Ireland. Northern Ireland, sorry. Yeah, so, like, obviously, it kind of gives you a hint of what side of the pitch he plays on, of course, scoring all these goals. It's not Kyle Lafferty. Tom, do you have a guess? No, I don't. No. You know. Okay. Is it yeah. William Gregory? No, you've had your <laughs> guess. It is Jamie Ward. He's a villa. Was it? Yeah, yeah. I was shocked when I googled Aston Villa 2005 squad. <laughs> Honestly, I could have been could have been here till next week guessing that. <laughs> well, that's the we first go. one that's ever made it past everybody. I think I'm making them harder because it's been too quick. So there we go. Um, yeah. So uh, nil nil, um, one nil to me, I guess. If if that, if that's even a that's, thing, that's not that's how that brilliant. works. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. But anyways. Um, let's go to the next one. Um, I was born. <laughs> I was born on the twentieth of November, nineteen eighty, making me forty years old in Romford, England. No clue where that is, but anyways, forty. Site London end in it, Romford. They used to call Ray Parler the Romford Pele. Oh, stuff. true. Yeah, okay. Uh, Any right. clues? Is it Gavin McCann? Tom. <laughs> uh. No, I mean, I don't bloody know. Okay, we'll go to the next one anyways. Uh, my youth career included spells at Wimbledon and Arsenal before moving to the senior squad at Arsenal from 97 to 2005, making 18 appearances in between that time. But also in between that time, I also had loans at Bristol Rovers, Crystal Palace, Peterborough United, and Leicester City. For my time, this. Mm. I'm going to have a guess, but I'm, I don't know where this name's come from. Is it... Uh former Villa goalkeeping legend Stuart Taylor it is Stuart Taylor oh yeah, yeah. nice wow nice <laughs> wow. That's, nice that's what you call a guess <laughs> nice the league winner Stuart Taylor yeah so. yep because the next one would have been um, I spent time at Villa from 05 to 09 making 12 appearances uh, then moved on to Cardiff City on loan Manchester City permanently from 09 to 2012 I then had a permanent spell at Reading with a loan in between that time at Yeovil and then, of course, I finished my career with Leeds United and uh, more notably Southampton from 2016 to 2018. So, yes, that is uh, Villa favorite wow. Stuart Taylor. <laughs> How did he only manage 12 appearances? Because I could swear he was our like backup keeper for like ever. Yeah, he's like your Scott Carson now. He's just enjoying it at that point. I feel yeah. like let's be honest. <laughs> he was chilling. He was at Moneybag City, wasn't he? Just yeah. Chilling there. So I'm sure his career earnings, if anyone looks them up, are pretty good. So yeah, it's one, it's, it's, all right. yeah, it's one nil to Tom, or I guess one one nil. I guess if, yeah, if nil, I'm yeah. included into this game, but anyways, it doesn't work that way. Um, <laughs> so I'll just keep saying that to feel better about myself. Anyhow, uh, the third and final round. I was born in Islington, England, on the fourth of April, 1993, making me 28 years old now. No clue. Okay, Danny. <laughs> 28. Give 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 me your usual suspect. Let's just get it over. This is Simon Dawkins. It is not Simon Dawkins. Let's just get that out of the way. Okay. Fine. Let's go to the next one. Uh, my youth career included spells at Cambridge United, 
uh, Arsenal from 2005 to 2009, and then finished my youth career with Villa from 2009 to 2012. I then moved on to the senior squad with Villa from 2012 to 2014, making three appearances with a loan spell at MK Dons in between then, making 23 appearances for the Dons, scoring two goals. I do remember someone going out on loan to MK Dons. And he's part of that next-gen squad, yeah. obviously. So there you go, if you if you need anything. Kid at, it's kid at Arsenal, and then kid at Villa, and then senior at Villa. Was that? Uh, kid at Cambridge, kid at Arsenal, then Villa, yeah. Is it? No, it's not. It's not him. What about that? Do you remember that? Um, what was that, guys? He's meant to be the next big thing. Um, Is it Daniel Johnson? Tom? Is it, um, is it Dan Crowley? He was a guy, wasn't he? No, it's neither. Too recent. Too recent, Too recent is it? Yeah. yeah. Is it? But good show. Good show. Um, I don't know where he is. I think the last time I saw Dan Crowley, he was at Birmingham or something. He's a blues one, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, think so. I think he had like, I think he played for like Vitesse for a bit or something too. But anyways, um, <laughs> then, okay. So I then moved on to MK Don's on permit deal from 2014 to 2017, making 94 appearances and scoring six goals. I then moved on to Sheffield United for the 2017-2019 seasons, making 28 appearances, oh, scoring one fine. goal, where I then had a loan at Oxford United, making 10 appearances, but I didn't score in any of those. Oh, weird. Sheffield United. I, I Of course, I find it easy because I'm the one with the questions. I don't know why I'm looking smug right now, but anyways. Is it, um, what, is it obvious? Nah, I don't really know. I mean, it's obvious to me because I played a lot of FIFA with these guys. So um. <laughs> I'm just going in my head. I'm going through my head to kind of think of the guys that like made it through around that time. Well, I'll give you a countdown so we can move this on. <laughs> how, how did he? How did he? Pl- how many get appearances did he make for Villa? Did you say? Uh, he made three. Okay. Yeah. I kind of realize this is the most difficult game because it's zero. What twelve appearances and three appearances. <laughs> For all these guys, but nonetheless. Where did he go after um, Sheffield United? Uh, he had a loan spell at Oxford, and then the next clue I'll get to. Okay. So if you guys don't have a guess, I can just go on to the next one. Yeah, next one. All yeah. right, well, let's do that. Um, for the 2019-2020 season, I was at Cambridge United, where I made 10 appearances, scoring zero goals. I now apply uh, my craft at Hemel Hampstead Town, um, where Jeez. I have yet to make an appearance. Wow, this guy's like fallen from grace, bro. Yeah, he's 28. Jeez. And actually, you know what? I'll throw this in here. Um, I've made appearances for the Republic of Ireland at the U19 and U21 levels as well, um, where I made okay. 10 appearances apiece and scored one for the U19s and three. I know who U21s. it is. I've got it. Go on, I, know it is. I know who it is. It's, it's Samir Carruthers. It is Samir Carruthers. Nice. <laughs> there we yeah. go. Nice. How'd you get that? Uh, yeah, because I, 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 I do remember the name just popped into my head and I do remember him like being the next big thing and I do remember him going to MK Dons. Mm. Um, MK Dons does had, ring a bell now, yeah. Yeah, we've had a lot yeah. we had a lot of like decent players come through around then who just didn't. Samir Carruthers, um, we had like James Collins as well. I'm so, I was thinking of him. Shane Lowry just kind of like went mm-hmm. into yeah. obscurity, right? Oh, yeah. More names I can bring up in the future. Sweet. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was actually a really good game. That was probably I like when they're that difficult because it's it's hard, of course, but also extends it for you guys. And it's a little bit of a flashback of uh, what we thought at Villa would be in the future and how a lot of things don't work out from time to time. And it's crazy to see how many don't. Um, I saw some article to help pick some or well Carruthers of where's the next gen players now. Um, and it's an interesting read. I mean, I think it was a year old or so, but uh, 
nonetheless, um, I think really the only one that made it was, uh, was it Grealish? Really? So, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, like, <laughs> no, because I mean, in the last few years, I feel bad for even, I don't want to bring names like that up, right? Oh, like, poor Jordan Lydon. <laughs> well, no, I mean, before that, it's what, but like, even recently, like Issa Suleiman. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, he's still Lewis young. Kinsella. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what? what he's at Kidder Minister now, I think, actually. Kidder Minister, yeah. Kidder. I am a Kidder. Kidder Minister. <laughs> that's my that's um, my little country twang accent. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, we, we should have done better. The fact that in the last 10 years, the only guy really that came through was Grealish. Yeah. Well, this is also the issue, Danny, when your manager is Paul Lambert um, and also Steve Bruce, who would put Chris Samba up front. So I I think that kind of sums up managers that wouldn't play (laughs) players where they needed to be. Um, Ace Merchant, Steve Bruce. Have you seen seen the the videos of outrunning the squad? Oh, did you see Alan St. Maximin's Twitter comment about how is he faster than me? Oh, my God. Oh, come on, Alan. You would like Villa. Come join our ranks. That would be one I would absolutely love. But uh, we have Leon Hopefully more Grealishes now anyway, though. Right? Like, hopefully now. We've got got Chuck Woman. We've got the Chuck Woman because we've got the Ramsey brothers. Got Villa, Jean Bedez. Surely at least two of these dudes have to... Yeah, you'd like to God, think so, right? Like, yeah, I mean, cross our fingers. But uh, anyways, guys, we've been going for more than long enough. So if you guys don't have anything else you wanted to bring up, we can wrap it up there. Can I bring up one thing? Yeah. I don't want to make it the Jack Grealish cast, but I'm finding, <laughs> it, I'm finding it pretty funny that we're not even a quarter of the way into the season and Man City fans are already on the guy's back. I don't know. Oh, I don't are know they? If you haven't guys seen have noticed it. this. No, I don't pay attention to them really anymore, to be honest. Well, I, I watched looked... the PSG game midweek, right? Yeah. And Ashraf Hakimi had him in his absolute pocket, right? I just I just find it interesting. That 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 hundred as much as we've lost today, that hundred million pounds is looking sweeter and sweeter by the yeah. week. Well, they, they needed a striker and they bought a attacking midfielder. They didn't really solve their issue. I mean, fair enough. They drew two all with Liverpool, and they're still scoring goals. But mm. you needed Harry Kane. It was a false nine. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I don't know. It's it was... just, it is what it is. I mean, fair enough. You'll go make your millions and millions and enjoy your sponsorships. And I'm sure when he's like 32, um, they'll want him to come back or something. But you know what? We've had our memories with him. Fair enough. Um, I look at my um green jersey that they are shirt i should say sorry because some people butch me when i say that um from the uh the survival uh campaign and i i look at that with memory and that's all it is now it's a memory um the lofty haired prince is no more at villa park even though that that's <laughs> coming... cash. yeah well, yeah yeah, yeah. every con it when you're saying Maddie Cash early, Danny, and you're kind of mentioned, I think someone mentioned Grealish. I was thinking that video of training when Grealish was still there in preseason where it's going, come on, Cashy, give him the eyes. And it, I think Grealish was in goal or something like that or whatever. I can't remember exactly. But anyways, um, we have a new lofty haired prince and he scored a banger the other week. Not today, but anyways, we'll wrap it up there. We've been going on for more than long enough <laughs> um, and I don't know when to shut up. So, of course, thank you very much for listening. Thanks to Tom and Danny for joining me. Of course, you can find any of us on Twitter, the, um, the 
Twitter handles, I should say, are in the description below of wherever you find the podcast. And of course, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, wherever you get your pods, uh, leave a review, a comment, whatever. Uh, if they let you do so, it just makes it easier for others to find us. Of course, check out Acorns as well. Their link is in our description as well, and you can kind of get more involved with them and see what's coming on for events with them. But anyways, we'll leave it there. We'll be back soon. And don't forget, up the villa. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.